middle of the week, coming up on a holiday weekend. Uh, I pray if we're traveling, you'd keep us safe. Uh, I pray that uh, this time together, you know, we would realize that we need uh, more than Sunday morning. Uh, we need more than a group. Ultimately, we need Christ. Uh, but we can find him in your church and amongst uh, all of us broken folks that are uh, traversing this life together. Uh, thank you for your church. Thank you for this property uh, that you have given this church. And I pray that we'd uh, be good stewards of it um, by glorifying you, by worshiping, by teaching, uh, by praying, um, and, and being your church. Um, that is not a property, that's not a building, but it is people. In Jesus' name, amen. If y'all would get your Bibles and turn to Genesis 4, that's where we're going to live tonight for the next uh, 30 minutes. And I'm going to do a couple things that are different. I, I'm actually going to need y'all's help, some of y'all's help, with a few verses. But uh, before I do that, I have to say, I'm going to read a whole chapter. Now, immediately, that may have just thrown some of y'all off. Oh my, uh, read a whole chapter. AJ's in the back. It's like, man, can't you just hit a verse instead of a chapter? But it's really a chapter that a story, a story that we are all uh, very familiar with, Cain and Abel. And generally, we see the story, and we think, you know, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's kids, and Cain killed Abel, and had another kid, Seth, and God works through Seth's line. But there is actually so much in this one chapter um, that, that we're going to hit on. And as I said, uh, we're going through the Bible. We're going to show the gospel through the entire Bible. And um, tonight, Genesis 4. So, bear with me. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then I, I'm going to ask some of y'all to help me out. Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. I, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born 
Irad and Irad fathered Mahujahel, and Mahujahel fathered Methushahel. Bear with me. And Methushahel fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwelt in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and the pipe. Zillah bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Cain, for Cain killed him. To Seth also was born a son. He named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, a lot of folks see that chapter, and they say, okay, Cain, Abel, and then just a lot of names that we just can't pronounce. And I probably didn't get them right. But actually, this chapter is really showing uh, the human heart at its core, and it's also showing the effects of sin. It's going to show the effects of sin in a marriage. It's going to show the effects of sin in relationships. Uh, just peer relationships. It's going to show the effects of sin in a city, in nature. And, and finally, it's going to show the answer, which is in Christ. Like, how, how do you get all that with all those names? Well, we'll, we'll find out. But also, it, it is going back to that the gospel is woven throughout all of the Bible. And we just have to have the glasses and the lens, the eyes to see it. So, so I want to talk about the heart the human heart and how it shows this. And it goes to the question of, and I, this is a question for y'all, and I want somebody, at least somebody to answer, so Dobby, if nobody, but don't expect Dobby to do that, okay? Um, why, this is a classic question, it's always bugged me, why did God like Abel's offering more than Cain's? I mean, it, it never really, you know, points it out there. It's like, you know, uh, Abel did the livestock and, and Cain was, you know, the agriculture, and then just God favored Abel's. Anybody, anybody got a, want to take a swing at that? Lori, what do you think? Yep. The first fruit. Uh-huh. That is, uh, that would be one of the correct answers that uh, you could probably get in the commentary. But what Lori's saying is that Abel brought the first of the flock, the firstborn. And in, in the Bible, in Scripture, usually the firstborn is the, most, is the best. And so that, yeah, Abel brought the best. So that's one way of saying it. But there's another one. Any other ideas? Anybody, anybody. Okay, Dobby, give it a, give it again. Huh? Okay, that's what it ties into. Thank you, Jennifer. The spirit of his giving. Now you're like, well, how do you know? Because you know, we just see that uh, that Cain gave the you know the produce, and Abel gave. How do you see it? Well, we do see Cain's response. I mean, when when God, the Lord said to Cain, "Why are you angry?" Cain was very angry because God didn't like his uh, his offering. The Lord says, "You know, why are you angry?" and 
And he says sin is crouching at your door. And then obviously Cain killed Abel. So there was a response already. My point being is the spirit. There's a passage in 1 Samuel. And I love this. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. It's 1 Samuel when Saul, no Saul, Samuel goes to choose the king. And he's looking at all of the brothers of David, and they're like, you know, big, athletic, good-looking. And like, got to be him, got to be him. And God says, no, 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 David's out in the fields. And he says, you know, the Lord looks at the heart. Man, we look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Here, God saw Cain's heart. And Cain's heart was, whether you want to call it impure or wicked or unrighteous, but God was already seeing that. And, yeah, he liked Abel's offering a lot more than Cain's. And then we see the effects of his heart when Cain gets angry. And, you know, Cain is arguing with God. So we see the effects and the result of that. So you're like, well, how does that, um, you know, how would that tie into a um, today? Think of some guy, some prosperous guy, got this great three-piece suit, comes to church, regularly gives a million dollars which we would take you know um (laughs) but gives this big offering you know looks nice and then and jesus used this you know jesus used this example then the god sees the heart and i say that i mean honestly there are a lot of people probably in a lot of churches a lot of three-piece suits that like to give and show what they give and God sees the heart. So, yes, our offerings matter, but this, this says more than anything, how we, the spirit, the heart of by which we give, whatever it is we give, whatever we can give, is so much more important to the Lord. And, you know, it's, it is kind of like the first, uh, the first giving and the first tithing and the first offering here, and God sees the spirit of which it's given, and Cain's heart is sinful. Now then, um, Going back to the sinful part of the heart, he would, uh, God says, uh, can somebody read again? I think it's verse, verse 7. Somebody read that? If you do well, you will not be accepted. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must do this chapter tells us a lot about sin. Actually, that verse tells us a lot about sin. Uh, is anybody, I'm going to ask y'all uh, what y'all think sin is. Just if you just top your mind, you know, you don't have to give the Sunday school answers. What is sin? What would sin be? Going against God's wishes, yeah. I'd say rebellion. Um, an unrighteous heart, pride, what else? Sin. Anything that separates you from God. Have you ever thought here this verse of sin as something, sin's in all of us, as Genesis 3 made clear. But have you ever thought of sin as something that's actually separate from you at the same time? Because here, I mean, he says that, he doesn't say like, he being God, you're sinful. He says sin is something separate or different. He says sin is over here crouching at the door and it not you it something it 
God's desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You must master sin. I, I fascinating. God is saying, I mean, we are sinful, but he's also saying, you know, like it's its own being. It's its own entity. It's over here, and it's, it's ready to devour you. It has a desire for you, yet you must rule over it. Can someone read, this ties in, that word desire there. If I were y'all, I would underline that word desire. Um, you know, it really ties into, you know, I think of desire, you can think of sinful action. You can think of the heart's desire, a heart's sinful desire. But it says sin's desire, that sin has its own desire. And there's only one other place, which is interesting, that this word desire, the Hebrew uh, word for it, and it's a word, you know, that I can't pronounce, but it's only one other place in the Old Testament. And it is, if you flip a page, or I flip a page, Genesis 3, 16. Somebody read that, Genesis 3, 16. It's one chapter for them. Your desire shall be for your husband. The only two times in the Old Testament this word desire or is in Genesis 3 and Genesis 4. And a lot of folks will read Genesis 3 and then say, your desire will be for your husband. And they think, okay, it's meant something like, you know, sexual or, you know, you, you should desire your husband. But then it says he will rule over you. Actually, it means something very different. And it ties to marriage. And it, again, this is beginning to show Genesis 4, the effects of sin through all creation. And here we see the effects of sin in marriage. What I mean by that is, this word desire in its Hebrew means that your desire is to master your husband. Your desire is to be over your husband. And what I'm talking about is, and I'm sure none of y'all have it, you know, <coughs> nobody but me has it. There's this, you know, constant conflict, a head button of who's in charge, who's wearing the pants. I mean, that's, that's really what we're talking about here. And God is saying because in the fall with Genesis 3, saying to the woman, now y'all are always going to be wrestling. Y'all are always going to be odds. There's the biblical way of Genesis 2 that the man should leave and cleave and be one flesh. And now sin has entered every aspect of human life, even into God's most sacred relationship of marriage where the woman's desire is to, to lord over the husband. And then the man, it goes on, the man's just as at fault here. So I'm not just, you know, you know I'm, I'm not being negative or down on you wives or women, but he says, and the man will want to rule over you. And actually, the word rule in Hebrew, the meaning, the context there, is not to like lead the wife or lead the family, but to be domineering and you know to to lord over her as well. And so sin has entered this, and we see it in Genesis four. It has this effect, even in. Even in this relationship that God said, this is the most holy, the most of all created, and we have problems to this day. Let me pause right there. I want to see if any of y'all have any questions or if that was clear. Because I, I think that's like, I think that's like great, rich stuff, but I want to make sure that I communicated it good. No? Pretty clear, clear Suzanne? <laughs> okay. So... We're going to see the effects of sin not only in marriage. Also here, you will see it 
in nature and in cities. Uh, some, po some people ask me all the time, like, okay, God's, you know, God created the world and then we sinned, but why is there, you know, a tornado that kills people? Why is there a hurricane? Why is there storms that blows down trees and all that? Genesis 4, actually it ties in that sin affects our relationship, humanity's relationship with nature. Somebody read verse 10 through 12 in Genesis 4, if you, if you would. Yeah, when you work the ground, go ahead. It says a couple of things there. And again, this is like, these are verses we just skip over. But, I mean, they're talking about the consequences of sin, even, even in nature itself. It says, you are cursed from the ground. It opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and wander on earth. And act, actually, that ties to Genesis 3, 2. In Genesis 3.17, God says to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. That even there's this, there's like this dysfunctional relationship. I don't know if you can like make sense of this. There's this dysfunctional relationship with us as human beings, with like the very earth, with the ground, with nature. There's a brokenness there. And that's... I mean, if you just had to ask me, like, why are there tornadoes and hurricanes and things like that, it's because it's of sin. It's the effects of sin even go into nature that we are at odds here. And, you know, back then you had to work the ground, and people still work the ground, and it's hard, and it's hard soil, and it's tough to dig, and plant crops and all of that, and it's manifested in nature. Sin is also the effects of sin go into cities. Ask Councilman Whitwell. He will tell you uh, by far and give us multiple examples. But we see this start here. If somebody would read verse 17 through uh, 22. Well, I take that back. Don't read that because it's all these names. I don't want to do that. But I don't wanna, that's, that's torture. So, but verse 17 started. It says, Cain knew his wife. Hey, and real quick, where did the wife come from? That's the question I would have. What do you all think? Where did the wife come from? Right, so where did the wife come from? I mean, was it his sister? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, huh? I mean, what's that? No, nah, no. Nah. Does, does anybody have a thought on that? Maybe another rib pulled out. Another rib pulled out. Yeah. Have y'all ever wondered that? I mean, all of a sudden, Cain, then he has a wife. Well, let me give you two responses right there, and it just kind of comes up. But one response is actually, not to go gross out it. Some people have thought that it might be his sister, Okay. Uh, this was, you know, if you can imagine, beginning of time, before there were like laws and regulations, that that is a one biblical scholar answer. I'm not saying I believe that, but I'm saying that's something people put up. Another one, though, is this, and this goes back to, was the Bible, you know, seven-day creation, what's that all about? Where's the dinosaurs? It's kind of, you know, where this, where this girl come from? Look, the Bible is inerrant. I totally believe that. The Bible is perfect in its truth, but it is inerrant and perfect in its truth, in the truth that it was meant to tell. That's what I mean by that. Like this, the Bible has, not, has never been meant to be like a guide in science. The Bible has never been meant to be, you know, solving how 
you know, every aspect or place in all of creation was created. It does tell us the story of the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, and their offspring. But, you know, that is not its purpose to say, you know, how this other, how this other girl came to be. And you could say, well, maybe, it, you know, maybe it was a sister or maybe it was another woman. The Bible is truthful, inerrant, perfect. As I said last week, we talked about it as the breath of God, it is the life of God. But it's perfect in what it's meant to tell us. And hold on, Heisel. And what it's meant to tell us is, is the gospel truth of creation and rebellion, and we're really hitting on rebellion today, and redemption through Christ, God, creation, you know, forever and ever into the future. Okay, Heisel, what? Yeah. There are other people there, too. Yeah, good one. I kind of skipped over that, but so Dr. Heisel, you got it? Huh? It's a girl from Nod. Wasn't that one of, like, the three villains of Superman 2, Nod? Or is, I mean, it's like Zod. Okay, I was trying to think of that. Nod, Zod. Well, but what now, in terms of just my belief, like, it's hard for me to think of sisterly, you know, brotherly, you know, all that. Uh, I do think, I really believe the Bible is perfect and true in the truth that it's meant to communicate. And that's the gospel, biblical worldview. Again, creation, rebellion, redemption, restoration. And so, you know, some of these things, are, there's a mystery that we will know one day in God's glory. But going to how a sin affects a city real quick, it says, you know, he built a city. So, and that's another thing. Like, so did, you know, did, did Cain just build the city by himself? However, we see the beginning of, you know, like good things, good things that, that were creative gifts. I mean, uh, it talks about the people who were the fathers of uh, tent makers and farmers, livestock. It talks about the guy who was the father of all artistry, all music. You know, the, really the world's first, uh, first musician who played the lyre and the pipe. Um, the first manufacturer, the first, you know, aspects of technology, bronze and iron. All these are going into this first city. And then we see the corruption, the sinful effects in the city. Lamech says, verse 23 and 24, which Lamech is like the, the great, great, great grandson of Cain, says, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. In the city, again, councilman, who we pastor and pray for can tell us people get wounded and they like want to avenge themselves happening in, in business or in laws or in, in government and you have corruption and so sin we see it for the first time Genesis 4 is playing out into into the life of a, of a city and then the last thing before I get to the answer and this ties to what Lamech says how sin plays out in relationships. Talked about marriage, God's most sacred relationship, but also like, you know, friendships, acquaintances, peers, a work environment. Uh, Lamech says something really interesting here. Somebody wounded him. Has anybody ever been wounded? I mean, I've heard that word thrown around in like church talk. Like, you wounded me. You know, I, I'm wounded. Another way of saying it was, I, I'm offended. 
So what is our response? We don't want to be like Lamech's response, but our heart's desire, we can go back to the effects of sin in our hearts, may want to be Lamech's response, which is he killed the guy. said, I have killed a man for wounding me. And he even goes back to you know, his great-great-great-grandfather, Cain, who he remembers, and what he did to Abel. He says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech's will be 70 times seven. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Before you say anything, I'd like somebody to find this passage in Matthew. Matthew, make sure I get it right here. Matthew 18, 32. Matthew 18, 32. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you treated me And you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. Can't be the verse because it was supposed to be something else. But go, maybe I wrote it down wrong. Matthew eighteen thirty-two. Did I get it wrong? Wow. Okay, my bad, guys. Hey, I didn't read my handwriting. Twenty-two. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. And what's fascinating to me, at least, is I mean, Jesus, smart guy. I mean, he's smart on a human level too. I mean. He's remembering back to, I mean, this would be scripture. This would be Hebrew scripture that Jesus learned and about revenge and someone being wounded. And Jesus contrasts a Christian's response for being wounded or being offended when Lamech, you know, from Cain says, you know, my revenge. You think Cain's was bad? You think Cain was a Mac Daddy and what he did? You know. And then Jesus uses the same exact words. said, you should forget that number. I mean, I've had a question. I don't know about y'all. It's like, why does Jesus just say, you know, 70 times 77? This is why. He's not saying that number. He's actually tying it to the scripture saying, you know, you've got to be the polar opposite here. So, any questions on that? It's a pretty key point, forgiveness. But the effects of sin on relationship being wounded and then Jesus is turning the table saying a Christian's response should be the exact opposite. Um, anybody want to lecture on that? Because like, I could use some advice in terms of forgiveness. We have to have an answer. You have to have a, a way to do that. Yeah, turn the other cheek. Yeah, forgive. Forgive those who wound you. I agree. I believe it. It. I believe it's it's totally supernatural. You can't buy our will. Can't buy our anything physically, but only by the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, uh, can that happen. So, go ahead, somebody. Oh yeah, Riley. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So let me say that. I, I, I totally agree with that. I think when he, I mean, actually, that's two different verses. The, you know, Jesus saying forgiving 70 times 77. You know, there's a point where you can have, you know, and Paul talks about this a lot, uh, holy righteousness of, uh, of calling someone out and saying, you know, this relation, because of what you've done, this relationship has changed dramatically. And I'm not going to allow you to hurt me anymore. I'm not going to allow you to hurt someone else anymore. Um, so it doesn't just mean take it over and over again. I do think, though, for our heart's sake, I mean, I, I know this for me personally, to, like, live without bitterness and without offense day by day, uh, I've got to do what Jesus said and forgive, you know, whether it's 70 times 7 or forgive every day or get on my knees every day and say, Father, I don't have the power to do this. Can you, you know, release the bitterness uh, in my heart, in my life for this person, you know. And actually, the hardest thing to do, and I, I'll say this, I'll be, you know, you all know I hate being honest. But the, uh, the hardest thing for me to do, but I think you cannot, well, let me say, I, I think you can't, it can't happen. There can't be release in the heart. I was like, dear Lord, I want that person to be blessed. That's a tough thing. Like, I, bless that person. And like, real, like I, want, I want you to pour out your blessings on that person. Because my heart, I can say, I'm not, I'm not going to strike them back, but I really want you to strike them back, God. You know, get them where it hurts. And that's my heart. My heart, it's like, no, bless them. Bless them. Anyway, but I do agree with you. You don't just turn, you don't just, it's not talking about just taking it over and over again. There are no stupid questions. There are no stupid answers here. Okay. Wow. What's that? God forgives murder. I mean, I think it's protecting yourself. I mean, I don't know. This may make y'all think negatively. I mean, I would probably kill him. I mean, it just if I was, if I was put, no, I mean, if I was in, if it was just my life, he was a bad dude and he was trying to hurt me. I mean, I don't want to kill him, but I'm going to try to protect myself and get out of the way. I've never been in that situation. But, you know, I mean, what I heard you ask him was like, if you're cornered and there's a bad guy and I don't know, gun or something, and, and you've got to, you're trying to protect yourself and get away and you have an option to not not harm like you know it's not in my mind I don't want to kill you but I'm trying to I know if somebody you know like you know if I'm protecting Jack Logan and Ethan and I hear a break in I'm coming out you know I mean I hope God forgives me but I, I'm coming out there and I probably won't be thinking about you know you know if you make it or not <laughs> um, in that sense no no I think I think these are great I, I appreciate them honestly I think it's good. Yes, sir. Uh, I'd, like, I'd like to say this uh, kind of related to the 70 times 7. Recently, you know, I've had difficulties with the council, and I was discussing my father and all the political options that I suppose and the uh, uh, sentences of the Bible verse that we read. 
It does, but very well said. And I mean, the martyrs are are saints because they, yeah, often they could have struck back, and they chose not to. And it's a it's a radical, you know. I mean, I, I use some examples in my own life, and, and and often I'll just you know I'll just say you know what's in my sinful heart. Yet, you know, the radical aspect to to the gospel is is what we were saying talking in radical this morning is think, you know, what. What am I doing today or in this situation or in this relationship that will matter for eternity? And uh, I told our radical group, you know, I really find it challenging thinking in those terms. Uh, my wife, who is, is really my hero, she does it very naturally. And, and she spoke up in, a, in our small group the other night and said, you know, I just thought today, I was like, you know, I haven't done anything that would matter for eternity. And I think forgiveness matters for eternity. I mean, I do think that... Uh, Perhaps having the opportunity to strike back and hold them back, you know, and then letting the Holy Spirit work can matter for eternity. So it does a lot depend on the context. Um, I did hear a, f- a funny story. I thought it was funny. I was I thought about this situation about praying for, you know, you know, praying for you know your enemies to be blessed, you know, people who cursed you to be blessed. Thought about that a lot, and it's hard to do. <laughs> I heard this ex-NFL player who's done real well in business. I forget his name. Curtis Green, does that ring a bell? I don't know, probably not. It was on Sports Talk Radio, but he just said, he said, you know, if I have enemies, I would just pray. He said, I would just, uh, I would just wish they'd get fame, money, and success because nobody knows how to handle it, and then I'd just come in and stomp them. So <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was funny. Like, you know, if you, they bless, they wouldn't know how to handle it. But anyway, just a moot point. It just struck me about, you know. Okay, I want to close up because I'm going to be conscious of our time. Here's just a response real quick. What's the answer to all this to sin? Well, obviously, it's Jesus. It is the, um, and that's the Sunday school answer, but I want to tie it to this uh, passage in Genesis 4. And if two people would get two different passages, if someone would get Hebrew 12, 24, so we can be ready for that. Somebody got it? And then if somebody would get Revelation 21, 1 through 6. Somebody got it? So two people would be turning to it? Okay. The answer is Jesus, but where we see him and the gospel, in, even in Genesis 4, even as sin is weighed laced to nature and relationships and marriages and cities, it closes. Because Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son, called him Seth. Then, verse 26, Seth also... To it, Seth also a son was born. He called his name Enosh. In the last sentence, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That chapter closes. A very powerful sentence. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. What is the answer to sin? At a point in our lives, I mean, I, I look at this as repentance. I look at this as, you know, we realizing we can't do it on our own. And at a point, calling upon the name of the Lord, uh, Jesus you know, help me, rescue me, save me. And so we see, even in the midst of sin here, a people, and you know, Jesus came from the line of Seth, not from Cain. Cain, Cain's line would be gone. But through Seth came David, came Jesus, and people began to call on the name of the Lord. What's the answer again? Someone read Hebrews twelve twenty four. Paul writing in Hebrews connects even Jesus and his 
the blood he shed for us with the blood of Abel. So going all the way back here, saying that Jesus' blood will save us. That, you know, it's not, we say this all the time now, it's not what we do, it's what Jesus has done for us that we can stand before God. And then finally, the future, Revelation 21, 1 through 6. Actually, the past and the future because Jesus is talking to John, but he's talking about something that will happen. Revelation 21, 1 through 6. Somebody want to take it? Thanks, Bill. So from Genesis 4, people beginning to call upon the name of the Lord to what Jesus did coming and his blood being shed for us. And that's how we're saved. To can make all things new tonight in our hearts and then in the future. We saw the city of sin, but our future is the city of God. That us living together in the city of God and making all things new, the Alpha and the Omega. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your gospel just just penetrates through it. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you would have to say. And for these, these hard questions in our life, from, from people we have issues with, um, real issues, uh, problems. Dear Lord, I, I pray, pray that you give us the, the power to forgive. I pray for our marriages, dear Lord. I pray marriages could be reconciled. I pray that, uh, uh, that we wouldn't just butt heads as, as we see and, and look to Genesis 2. And I pray, dear Lord, for just our church family, that, uh, that we can be one in Christ, uh, that we can forgive, we can live in grace and truth as Jesus did, and you would continue making all things new, both in us as a church and within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.